All right, if you got one of the Bibles from uh, here, one of those black ones, it's page 589, 889, sorry, 859. <laughs> it's some combination of an 8 and a 5 and a 9, just, it's 850. 859. Middle school told me that. Uh, it should be Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 is where we're going to start. That should be page 859. Is that correct? All right. Is somebody willing to read from verse 38 to the end of chapter 5? Okay, I'm going to make you do it on the microphone, though. Okay. You have, heard it, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, with, go, one mile go with him too. Give, give to the one who asked you and don't turn it away from the one who wants, you to borrow, who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brother and sister, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Everyone clap for Annalise. Uh, here's, here's what we're going to do. You guys have been working through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, big picture Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaching, like, what does it look like to be one of his followers? And it's all just upside down. So, like, whatever would be normal sort of in the world, flip that over. And that's what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount. This section is no different. It's probably two little pieces in your Bible, especially if you're using one of the CSBs uh, from in here. Uh, but we're going to put it all into one. And the reason is because it's all sort of loosely gathered around how is it that you should treat people that would maybe want to take advantage or do something uh, evil or, or sinful to you. And so I'm going to give you kind of a main point, And then I'm going to take seven little statements out of there that are pretty straightforward. And so we're just going to illustrate them. And as just like a general, like while you're, if you're trying to read your Bible, especially in the New Testament, like 75, maybe 80% of the time, whatever would be the most obvious way to read and apply a verse is probably the right way to do it. And so there's nothing like inherently tricky in this passage. It's all pretty straightforward. And so we're just going to give some sort of verbiage to what Jesus is telling us and then illustrate it. And so the main point is this. In a world full of evil intentions, so people that would want to do evil to you or sin against you, followers of Jesus display an avalanche of Jesus-like goodwill. Uh, have you ever seen video of an avalanche? Like, it's, over, it's like overwhelming when you, even if you're getting video from like way far away and you're seeing this massive chunk of snow and ice rushed down the side of a mountain and it's sweeping like trees and boulders and all sorts of stuff into its path. It just overwhelms everything else that's there, buries it underneath like its force and its power. And so if we're going to be followers of Jesus, 
in a world that's full of sin and full of brokenness and full of evil, what's it look like to respond upside down? Well, it would be to overwhelm those things with Christ-like goodness, Christ-like goodwill. And so we're just going to walk through this. Big picture is that the way that we interact in the world ought to be like so surprising and unexpected, even in response to sin and ugliness that people would want to do to us. And so I'm going to give you seven of these. Just a heads up, the first question in your D group is going to be, what were the seven things? And so try to keep them in mind. Here we go. Number one, verses 38 and 39. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. That little phrase, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's not like prescriptive punishment. Somebody does something to you, you do the exact same thing in return. Actually, what that was for was to limit retribution. So that if somebody did something wrong to you, you didn't go one step further in sort of getting your revenge. And so what Jesus is saying here is rather than seeking revenge or retribution, turn the other cheek, extend mercy. That's number one. When I was in high school, I was driving down the road one day with a group of friends. I was actually in my friend Aaron's truck. There were four of us smashed into his very small truck and we're driving down 291, you know, sort of like up and over the big hill where there's like the antique store up on the top of the hill. Like you've just come over by Pleasant Valley Baptist Church and everything. We're going up and over right there, headed toward like Pizza Hut and kind of toward main part of Liberty. And there's a toilet on the side of the road. And so we went by it at 45 miles an hour, whatever my friend Aaron was driving. And he slams on the brakes and pulls over to the shoulder. And he's like, was that a toilet? (laughs) Yes, it was Aaron. And he said, we're going to go get it. And I was, And so all of us are like, uh, okay. So all of us jump out of the truck on the shoulder of 291. We run back, we grab this toilet, we throw it into the back of the truck. And it started to become this thing where we would leave the toilet on someone's yard. And so it was like this shameful thing if you woke up in the morning and the toilet was on your front yard. But after like one or two toilet droppings, uh, After one or two toilet droppings, it started to become that you not only left the toilet on someone's yard, you left something else with it. And so by the time this like experience was over, when our parents finally like called a ceasefire on it, you could wake up in the morning and there would be a toilet and a couch and a television and an end table and a lamp all set up on your front yard, like when you woke up in the morning and your parents would leave to go to work and they'd be like, oh my gosh, there's a living room and a half bath situated on our front yard. But it like grew. You, somebody put the toilet on your yard and then you needed to like one up that thing. So you drove around and you looked for the most disgusting couch you could find and you put the toilet in the couch and it just like grew and it grew and it grew. And Jesus is saying, don't seek revenge. Don't try to get more retribution. If somebody drops the toilet on your lawn, don't even take the toilet back, Jesus is saying. Just be like, thanks for the place to sit. Like, this is good. And so in your own life, if one of your siblings, let's say, borrows your clothes, ruins them while they've got them on, don't walk into their room in the middle of the night and give them bangs or something like that. 
if your sibling stands in front of you while you're gaming and causes you to lose or something like that, don't flush their betta fish down the toilet. Like, just turn the other cheek and move along. Extend mercy, Jesus says. Number two, verse 40. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. The principle here, give with willing generosity. Now there's a little bit of a nuance here because this is actually someone who would want to take from you by like force or compulsion. So it's not just that like they want, they're asking for you to give them your shirt. We're going to come to that a little bit later. This is, they would want to take matters to the next step and force you to give them your shirt. Jesus is saying, give with willing generosity. Like, hey, here's the shirt and you can take the cloak as well. My wife, um, she grew up oldest of five and they had one vehicle when they were all like going through high school and everything. And so there would be times, whether it was uh, kind of like high school and college, where there could be like three drivers in the family sharing the one maroon Ford Taurus. And so somebody would say, hey, I need the car today. Well, odds are everybody needed the car that day. So you could do like one of two things. One person could drive someone and drop them off and then continue on their way and then they could fend for themselves. Or one person could decide, I need the car, but you could get a ride from a friend or whatever. Or you could get mom and dad involved. Mom, Melody had the car last time. And so what Jesus is saying here when Katie, her younger sister, would get mom and dad involved and say, mom, make Melody give me the car. This would be to say that Melody would say, let me clean it out for you and like get it all nice and ready. Give with like willing generosity. Not only will I give you the thing that you asked, but I will surprise you with goodwill and I'll get it all cleaned out so that there's not cheeseburger wrappers like sitting on the floor. Give with willing generosity. Number three, verse 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, what's, at, what's going on here is that there was a law in Rome at this time that if a group of Roman soldiers were like moving through an area, I could say, Elliot, carry all my gear. And you would be legally required to carry that a thousand steps. That's really how far it was which is about a mile. What Jesus is saying is if they force you into that kind of service and you get to a thousand steps, don't just throw the pack on the ground, go another thousand, surprise them, do more than is expected. That's what's being said here. So kind of force this into your own life. When I was, uh, when I was growing up, one of the chores that I had to do, my sister and I actually shared, so it was like an every other day sort of thing, was unload the dishwasher. So one person had to load it. I didn't mind that job. One person had to unload it. I hated that job. So what would be normal on my night to unload the dishwasher would be my mom would say, Tim, is the dishwasher unloaded? And she'd get one of these. And I would go, I'd stomp in there. I'd just put things close to where I knew they were supposed to go. Like, I've got this cabinet open. I'm putting everything in that one. But the dishwasher's empty. Like, that would be what my mom would expect. This would be to say, 
My mom says, Tim, it was your day. Did you unload the dishwasher? And I would say, I did unload the dishwasher and I swept the kitchen floor. My mom would be like, who is this child? I don't recognize this person. But that would be like, do more than is expected. Go the extra mile is the sort of like common colloquialism, like the common phrase that we would use. Number three, do more than expected. Number four, verse 42, give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, this is a little bit different than verse 40. Verse 40 is someone is getting the authorities involved and saying, give me your shirt. This is someone has need and they just ask you for something. Help those in need. Again, we don't need to complicate this. Like the most straightforward reading is probably what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, give to the one who asks you. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Help those who are in need. Now, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to have other stuff to say about money. And so I'm going to kind of uh, leave that one there. We know what it is to help those who are in need. Our stuff is not our own. That's like the big principle in the New Testament and in the Bible with our money. We are not the owners of our stuff. We are stewards of our stuff. And if someone has true need, a follower of Jesus would help them. That's the principle. Number four, help those in need. Number five, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Then jump down to verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? The principle in this whole chunk, really, verses 43 to to 48, falls under this same idea. Love with a not of this world kind of love. Jesus is saying, look, if you just love the people who love you, everyone, that's like human, everyone does that. If you just greet or you're kind or you show hospitality only to your brothers and sisters, how is that out of the ordinary, Jesus says. Gentiles do the same, which would be to say people who are far from God do the same. But Jesus is calling us to do something different. The whole Sermon on the Mount is upside down. And so you would love people with this love that's completely not of this world. That when even those who would be your enemies, I don't know if you think to yourself, I've got an enemy. But when I was in high school, Oak Park High School, that was the enemy. We played them in every sport. It was usually competitive. It usually involved like a district championship or a chance to advance in the playoffs. And um, this is like ancient of days here. There was no social media. So you weren't really friends with people who went to different schools than you. They they went to Oak Park. And I played soccer. Um, That was my main sport in high school. And I could have named for you all of the players who played for Oak Park and all of the reasons why I disliked them. Sometimes it was because he's really good, and sometimes it was because he looks funny. But like, I could name for you all of their players and why I didn't like them. That was like the closest thing I had to an enemy. And what Jesus is saying is, even that, you would love them with a not of this world kind of love. That players from Oak Park, 
would look at us from Liberty and they would be like, those are my enemies, but they got this guy on the team who like, I, I can't really explain it, but it seems like he kind of likes us and it's weird. That's what Jesus is saying. Like if you can think of someone that is an actual enemy in your life, love them and love them in a way that's totally unexplainable and totally not of this world. And then the second part of that verse, and pray for those who persecute you. That would be number six, pray for your opposition. When we think about being persecuted, we have very like soft notions of what that could mean. But to take this like all the way to what Jesus is saying, this would be to pray for those who do evil to you because you love Jesus. That would be what Jesus is saying. Pray for those who would want evil for you simply because you are a follower of Christ. That person, pray for them. And not the kind of prayers that would be like, Lord, smite them. Not those prayers. Not even the sort of like prayers that would be ultimately for your own benefit. God, I just pray that you would open their eyes to how horrible of a human they are. Not that kind of prayer. This would be praying good for them. Like genuine, true good for the people who would want to do evil to you because you follow Christ. Now, in America, we don't necessarily have like overt someone trying to do evil to us because we follow Jesus. There are places in the world where that is a real thing. And there are times in our culture where following Jesus might put us like at odds with like what are the prevailing notions in our society. But very rarely is it that someone literally would say, Addie, I would want to harm you because you follow Jesus. Even in that situation, Jesus says, you would pray good for that person ultimate good that they would come to know Jesus, but also just basic good that God would be gracious to them. And then last but not least, jump down to verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that is a massive calling. But I'm going to put that under the heading of be the presence of Jesus. Be the presence of Jesus in the world be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I'm going to walk back through these really quickly one more time because it's worth noting that everything that Jesus calls us to here, he fulfills perfectly. So if we're going to do any of these things, we're going to do them because we're empowered by Jesus and we're doing it in the image of Jesus. So extend mercy. That was the first one. At the cross, what does Jesus ultimately give to us? those who would deserve no good from him. He goes and he gives his life that we might have mercy and not get what we deserve. That's what mercy is. You deserve punishment, you get something else. He extends mercy to us. Number two, give with willing generosity. How much does Jesus give there on the cross? everything, all of himself, right? And nobody forced him to do it. Nobody forced him out of heaven and into, you know, 
humanity into flesh. No one forced him to Jerusalem. No one forced him onto the cross. He did it all willingly and generously. So if we're going to give with willing generosity, it's going to be because we have the empowering within us of a savior who gave with willing generosity. Number three, do more than is expected. Most of the people who were waiting and watching for Jesus expected him to just kind of waltz in and assume political power. Like he was just going to be a king, sit on a throne, rule over the Israelite people. That's what they wanted. And then here comes this man, Jesus, and he does infinitely more by giving himself on the cross. Way more than they ever would have expected a savior or a Messiah to come and do. That's what Jesus did. And so if we're going to be perfect as Jesus is perfect, if we're going to be the presence of Jesus, we're going to do more than is expected. Help those in need. Our sin puts us at unbelievable need before the Lord. We are unrighteous before him, in need because of our sin, and yet Jesus comes and he helps us by dying on the cross. Love with a knot of this world. Love. Jesus is literally not of this world. He comes out of heaven, glory of, um, glory of perfect union there in the Trinity. He steps into this world. And when you read the gospels, you see love that is unlike anything that we've ever experienced before. And so if we're going to love with a not of this world love, it's going to be because we have that empowering inside of us in the presence of Jesus. And then last, pray for your opposition. If you go to John 17, You see Jesus praying in the garden and he is praying for humanity. And what is humanity ultimately? In their sin, they're enemies of God. And Jesus is praying for us. And then he's there on the cross all of a sudden with the people in front of him who wanted him crucified. And he says, what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like he's praying for his literal enemies there. Be the presence of Jesus. His perfection is what would enable us to live in his image. Now, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be sinless, but we can be an avalanche of Christ-like goodwill in a world full of evil intentions. Amen? Amen. You're gonna go to your D groups and talk about that. Let's pray. God, thanks for this evening. Thanks for this group and the chance to come and spend some time with them. God, I pray that your spirit in us would remind us that we don't get saved because we do these things. God, we do life in the image of Jesus. We would seek to be the presence of Jesus in a world full of evil intentions because we have been saved. We praise you and thank you for his work on the cross in our place. We pray that your spirit would fill us and enable us to live this way in a broken world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.